Howdy, howdy, y'all. Welcome to, welcome to Mike not being able to talk. Uh, well, hey, welcome to the Keeping Up with the King series here. This is episode 248. And um, hey, this, um, what we're talking about today is in Matthew 26. Just three verses kind of thrown in here in the middle uh, as we're coming to this final week, or we're in the final week of Jesus' earthly ministry. He's in Jerusalem and we know in just a day or so, well, two days or so, he's going to be um, he's going to be arrested, uh, crucified, and buried. And so, uh, this is kind of the the downswing, right? Um, we've seen a lot of times of of uh, fun and and miracles and Jesus doing and teaching amazing things, and and then we get some of the downer stuff, you know, some of the things that really. Uh, are, are hard. And, and this portion here, I, I think it's, it's hard because maybe it's just hard for me because it, of what it makes me think about. And, uh, I don't want to get too dark today, but I think there's a seriousness we need to, to have. And, and I think there's, if there's ever been something to criticize my Bible teaching on, it's, uh, maybe my seriousness because I tend to, um, find humor in things. And, and so, uh, not a lot of, not a lot of humor in this part. Uh, at least not that I see at the moment, but maybe it'll pop up. Sometimes it does, but I never want that to be uh, a way to, I never want humor to be a way to avoid uh, the seriousness of things. And uh, early on in my ministry, I, I had a lady in my church say that to me. She says, you know, you don't let the hard points sink in. You don't let them sit. You tend to say something maybe difficult or convicting but then you follow it with something light and it, uh, it eases the mood. You know, it's the, com uh, the comic relief. And what she was saying was, you don't need comic relief. <laughs> you don't need comic relief. Uh, people don't need to be relieved of the difficult stuff. So uh, you may tune out right now. I don't know. But hey, this is something I think a lot of people have thought about and speculated on. And the Bible doesn't say a whole lot about it. So let's read it and we'll talk about it a bit. It says, uh, verse 14, then one of the 12 called Judas Iscariot went to the chief priests and he said, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. So from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. Now, if we read the parallel accounts in the book of Mark, for example, Mark 14, um, Mark 14 says, uh, then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. So he sought how he might conveniently betray him. And then in Luke 22, we have, again, uh, a uh, parallel passage. And it says, Then Satan entered Judas, named Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. So he went his way and conferred with the high priests and captains how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. Um, so, you know, it says Satan entered into him. And so th this is this is difficult stuff because I think a lot of times we read that and we're like, okay, well, was, was, uh, was Judas responsible, you know, for, for what he, for what he did, or was it because, he did, it, did this all happen because the devil entered into him. And I think if you read the Bible, you find out that Judas is held responsible 
for what he did. It was not like, well, he was possessed by the devil. He had no choice. And we don't see that being uh, what the Bible, well, it's not how the Bible presents it. It's just, it's presented as, as his choice that he did this thing. And, uh, you know, so it would be better if he was never born, um, is, you know, what the, what the Bible says would be better if, you know, if he was, would never, we'll get to that. That comes later in Matthew 26, I believe. Anyway, um, so I think this is something that, that is worth talking about. So anyway, one of my, one of my uh, favorite go-to commentaries is, uh, is Dave Guzik at, um, uh, <laughs> enduringword.com. Anyway, um, he, has, it's free, so you can go check it out. Uh, he's got good stuff there. Um, but what he said is this, he says, Satan injured Ju Judas. Satan prompted and perhaps even guided Judas in his crime. This does not diminish Judas' personal responsibility because none of this was done against the will of Judas, but with it. This shows that the real enemy of Jesus was Satan even more than Judas was his enemy. Um, and anyway, you know, a lot of people speculate on why. You know, why did, Ju why did Judas do this? And some people try to give him very noble goals, like he was trying to push Jesus' hand, you know, and force him to step up in his power and that he was, you know, they, it's, it's kind of odd, but it's a very popular thing. And you, you may have come across that. You may, um, you may have heard that yourself that, oh, you know, Judas was, he, he had noble and he had noble intent. Um, but I, I think that maybe it's way simpler than that. And this may be speculation. Yeah, it is speculation, but I want you to cons consider something. John tells us that, as we talked about last time, that when the disciples were being critical of the woman, uh, Mary, in Bethany for pouring this costly oil on Jesus' head, that they said it could have been sold and given to the poor. And John mentions in the book of John that Judas said it not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And I think that clues us into something about Judas. People that are thieves take things that don't belong to them. Right? I mean, that's the nature of a thief. A thief takes something that doesn't belong. They steal. But what, you know, why? Sometimes it's because they are destitute and they have no, they have nothing, and they they are desperate and they have to provide for their family. But more often than not, that's not the case. It's just they want something that's not theirs. They just want it, and so they're going to take it without considering the person who owns its feelings, thoughts, or loss, that doesn't concern them. They're just concerned about themselves. And I think perhaps what we're seeing here in Judas is this, because I went and I read all three accounts, and in all three accounts of Judas, Judas agreeing to betray Jesus, the same things are mentioned. The, 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 the thing that's mentioned is, like in here in verse 15, he says, Judas goes to him and he says, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? Right. It's all about the money. And I think that that's a telling thing. And as I've been saying the last few times, when we see people making the bad choices in the Bible, let's pay attention so that we don't fall for the same mistake. And I think what we see, and again, this is some speculation, but I think what we see in Judas is that he has a desire for wealth. He has a desire for money. Uh, he wants it um, for whatever reasons. He's, he's a thief, and now he has this opportunity. 
he knows that Jesus uh, is worth something. They, they, he knows that the chief priests want, want him. And, you know, we don't know how Judas justified this. You know, we don't know. We don't know if he thought, you know, it doesn't matter if I turn him in, he's going to escape. He's walked through crowds that wanted to kill him before, you know, he's, they can't do anything to him. What are they going to do to him? I turn him over to him. You know, who knows? We don't know. We just know people. And we know that people justify their sin in all sorts of ways. I know I do, you know, so, uh, but I think the thing that we need to pay attention to is the way that sin works. The sin starts with little things. Sin starts with little things. And if it's not dealt with, it gets, turns into bigger things. I mean, that's how addiction works. You know, people start with the little things and then they move on to bigger things. We talk about like gateway drugs and things like that. It's because they started with the little things. They didn't just start off shooting up heroin. They started with other things. Serial killers don't just suddenly start serial killing. There's other things. They start with other things. So, I mean, it's, it's really disturbing things to study, but they start off usually hurting animals. People that are, are, um, uh, people that are sexually abused children, when they arrest them and they go through their houses, they almost always find the same thing, and that is pornography and eventually child pornography. And what it usually starts off with is it starts off with stuff that seems tame and then gets to the more, I don't know if you'd say deviant or demented or twisted, the more extreme and uh, more shocking. Uh, and that's how it works. Sin works a little bit at a time. We don't just suddenly jump into the deep end. We slowly boil to death, as they say with the, you've probably heard the story about the frog. Um, you know, if you throw a frog in boiling water, it jumps out. But if you put the frog in cold water and then slowly turn up the heat, he'll boil himself to death because he adjusts to the temperature around him. And we don't tend, we don't, the way sin gets us is not by us jumping into boiling water. It's by slowly, incrementally allowing it to exist, allowing it to, um, allowing ourselves to give into it time and time again. And then it spreads and grows and it takes over to then we find ourselves doing things that we never thought we'd do, going places we never thought we'd go. And I often wonder that, like, I wonder if Judas, when he started following Jesus, if he ever thought, you know, I'm going to betray this guy for 30 pieces of silver. Don't let your sin hang around. You know, if, if you're a Christian today, well, we know we're free from the power of sin and we're free from the, the uh, penalty of sin. Um, and if we're free from the power of sin, it means we don't have to do it. But it doesn't mean we're not going to have the desires to. But the great thing is, is that we can lean on our Savior and say, you know, I don't have to do that stuff. I don't have to give in to those urges. I don't have to. Um, I don't have to. And if, if you're struggling with that, I would encourage you to go and read Romans chapter 6 and, and take note of how he, what he says to do and, and what not to do and, and what to reckon or understand. And, and, and he talks about letting, let not and let. And you'll see that there is a whole lot more control and a whole lot more choice that you have in the matter. Because oftentimes people think they have no choice, that they just can't. This is just the way I am. 
and they don't consider, yeah, maybe that's the way you were, but you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are made new. You don't have to do that stuff anymore. Yeah, you, your body might be screaming at you. You know, you might be hearing, just do it, just give in, but you don't have to. Set your mind on the things above. Start singing songs to Jesus. Open up your Bible, start reading. Get up and start moving. Do something else. Confess your sin to the Lord. Confess it. Say, God, forgive me. Forgive me for dwelling on this. Forgive me for thinking about these unholy, unclean things that used to rule me. Forgive me for that, for, for, for spending time imagining the, the, uh, the pleasure I would get temporarily at something that you had to die on a cross for. You suffered for this, and here I'm thinking about the enjoyment I would get from it. I don't know about you, but that makes a difference in my life. It makes a difference in my mind when I think about the cross. When I think about Jesus suffering for my sin, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking about doing something. I'm thinking about participating in something that Jesus had to suffer for. The question I used to ask my church was this. What if Jesus died at the end of your life? What if Jesus died at the end of your life? What if you knew he was going to suffer and pay the price for your sins at the end of your life. Would you live differently than you do knowing he already paid the price? Something to think about. God bless you. Talk to you next time.